Hello and welcome to the B2Beast podcast, the best place to collect killer ideas for big business. And today we have got a beast in the building. He is an award-winning data scientist, an elite growth hacker, and an absolute mastermind of SEO. He is currently the CEO of LinkGraph, where he helps businesses break out of the noise and into their market. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Manik Bon. Welcome, 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 Manik. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you here, brother. Great to be here. Thanks, Travis. Awesome. Where are you tuning in from right now? And what are you most grateful for in your life, your business, your whole world? How's that going? Oh, what a softie. So I'm in Miami, Florida right now. And uh, what I'm most grateful for is my daughter. Just amazing. One-year-old. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, you have an exciting story to tap into here, and I'm excited to share it. Um, and the lessons and advice and systems strategy we can uh, pull from here today. So thank you for sharing your time. And I'd love to shift the spotlight towards your specific story, because it's been uh, a fun journey, an epic journey, at least from what I can see on the outside. So how can you summarize your story perhaps into uh, the primary pivots of where did you start? What was kind of the origin or perhaps the struggle um, of things? And then where, where did this started from the bottom, now we're here type of vibe come? Because now, from what I can see on the outside, you really have just taken it to a whole nother level in the B2B space and are staying well ahead of the competition. And I would love to hear how that story came to life. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, today things are, are very different than they used to be. Um, you know, LinkGraph and Search Atlas, we've, we have over 500 customers, or 500 brands that we work with for LinkGraph and Search Atlas has over 10,000 paying subscribers. So we're, we're doing great. But a long time back, uh, that's not how it started. Began from very, very humble beginnings. Um, me working my first startup out of my apartment, learning how to code, wake up every day at 7 a.m., open up the laptop to a sublime text monitor, grinding it out, you know, 12 hours a day, um, trying to get my first startup off the ground. And that journey, it's been a journey of over eight, nine years now, and it led me here. It's been amazing. Wow. What a brilliant. No, I think a lot of people, when you see it on the outside, there's this kind of sexy, glorious, like VC version of, <laughs> of startups um, that a lot of people don't really get to see the, the nine years of grinding and coding behind the scenes. So where was, what would you consider your first pivot point in that journey that started steering you on the right track. Like this is the lane I really need to start feeding and fueling. So for me, that was, it was learning how to code was the highest leverage thing I've ever done. I've always been good at sales and good at business and a lot of those other dimensions of being successful as an entrepreneur. But it was when I learned how to code and build and write software that things began to change. It didn't happen right away. Uh, the first, so my first tech company is a company called Ruckus, which I sold about six years ago now. So that was a great win to sell the company, take it all the way from founding it 
to the exit point. And that journey was, it was quite a road. Uh, we were going, it was a very David versus Goliath type of situation. We were a, we were a, a small tech company of maybe 15, 20 people taking on the likes of Ticketmaster, Stub Up, these gargantuan players where our entire VC fundraising round was the launch money, our competitors. So we had to be, you know, we raised 5.5 million. We had great investors, but our competitors had raised 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. So we had to be really sharp really on it and really thoughtful uh, about what we were betting on and what we were doing. Um, and there were moments in that journey. So, I mean, it sounds like like I'm talking about the capital raise, raising all this money, and that's that's the success. But before that happened, what, I, what, what I'm not telling you is the, the times where we had no capital, where I ran out of money. I literally had zero dollars in my bank account moved back home with my parents or crashing on the couches of, of my friends in New York uh, to eventually having a little bit of money and literally finding the cheapest apartment I could find anywhere in Manhattan and then airbnb that apartment and going to stay in Jersey City or Hoboken and making like $70 a day of arbitrage, which I was surviving on. That's how I pulled through to get through that journey, eventually to raising the capital, to launching the app, to exiting, so it was a, it was a very difficult journey for sure, um, but the perseverance paid off. Wow, wow! I love love hearing some of these type of stories, especially um, in that same contrast of when you do have those massive VC type of funds um, versus the people that are doing it scrappy. You see a lot of reckless spending, idealistic uh, things going on. But when you have boots on the ground and you really are bootstrapping it on this level, that's what really tightens the offer, the service, the product, the profit to its true, true maximum capability. And I love seeing these stories because it's usually the ones uh, that are able to build these successful apps, companies, and essentially empires, they always have a stage, a version of that, um, that really, I think, grounds you to remember those days. And now it extrapolates the value of when you do get an investment, you're making every single dollar count. Um, so love, love hearing that. Uh, I'm curious now in your journey of building businesses, earning business as founder, sales, et cetera, what is the craziest or most creative way you've seen somebody earn business or open the door to earn business? This could, this could be yourself, somebody on your team, or even somebody that's done it to you. What's the craziest way somebody's opened the door and, and earned your business or started that relationship? Interesting. Well, um, okay. Now, please don't do this to me. Again, so I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give them to you, but I really hope no one actually does this again because it was kind of annoying initially. Um, oh, okay. So I had someone uh, book a meeting with our, our sales team and tell them that they were interested in our products and profess to be a very, very large player. And so the meeting kind of went up to like our more senior level leadership and eventually to me. And I was on the call. Um, and very quickly, we realized this is not a client who is looking to buy our services. They were trying to sell us something. But 
it just happened to be the case, just so happened that the fit was so strong that we actually did have a need for what they were offering. And it was so bespoke, tailored to just us that we were like, okay, we'll give it a shot. And normally we would never like, I'll let that fly. Yeah. But it was, it was like that spot on. So, um, that was pretty good. I also had a time where, uh, where someone, uh, took that, like printed off some articles that I had published and brought them to me and asked for my signature on them at a conference. And was like, I would love to go to dinner with you. They were emailing me before the events. And th this was like a, a big event. I was super busy, but just showing that they were so serious about taking the meeting and making it happen. Um, you know, just that little extra, uh, made me, you know, ingratiated and I, and I had to say yes. Wow. Both of those. Yeah. Both of those are amazing. The, <laughs> the reverse cell, which only, only works because of that laser, laser, laser specific targeting. Um, and that other one is actually a really impressive and simple and genuine way to approach it. Um, find articles, podcasts, videos, books, if they have it out there. Um, those people have likely spent a lot of time investing into these assets, those type of things. So those little moments of appreciation really do shine. And clearly it, it, it works. If you remember it now, years later, um, I'm sure you don't remember every little cold email and cold DM you get. <laughs> it's uh, another great way to break out of the noise, which is where I see a lot of your messaging and your system and your strategy come from. Um, so let's start steering towards that your secret sauce that's what we want to try and capture and extract here because clearly you're doing something right over there um so we'll start on the personal side and then get into more of your business approach and strategy there um i'm curious what habit or task in your day is non-negotiable something that you just have to make sure is done every day or ideally every day <laughs> um wh what is that for you yeah so for me it's my morning my morning is like the most important time of my day uh i i avoid my phone like the plague for the first two to three hours of the day and i really just focus and zoom in on what my intention is for the day so if that is reading a book that i'm really interested in, interested in to learn something new uh, I'll focus on that. If it's, you know, time with family, I try to be really, really intentional with my morning. And I like to get a workout in uh, before I start any of my meetings of the day. So I like to at least be in the gym for an hour, hour and a half. And, uh, and that's like before 9 a.m. So by 9 a.m., I got to have all that done and hit it hard. That is amazing. No, simple, simple formula. Um, it's one of those things that I think really sets the tone, especially the busier we get. Um, and somebody at your level, your day starts to get pulled a dozen different directions. So I love hearing that you pull it, take control of that morning, set the tone, start it right. Um, what is it that you do to prioritize what is that focus when you're thinking like what's on the menu today? You've got a list of a hundred things that could potentially be there. What is your theory or method for prioritizing which one goes to the top? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have like a, a frog on my wall and it's a reminder that the first thing that I need to do in the morning is to swallow the frog. 
whatever yeah. that frog is for the day. So that list of a hundred things, it's impossible to actually do a hundred things. I really yeah. just focus on three. What are my three main things? If I do these three things today, that is success. And that is really where I, I like to focus. If I don't do, do those three things, then I haven't really accomplished what I needed to do for the day. So before anything else can get down to my plate, I try to get them done as fast as possible. Uh, and that way, my day will be successful no matter what. Mm, perfect. No, I love love hearing that and seeing uh, how others manage the chaos. Um, and you've really been able to simplify it down. If these three things are done, like, we're good to rock and roll. <laughs> uh, love the beautiful slim simplicity attached to that. Um, in a, a similar vein of habits and your day-to-day approach, I'm curious, especially since you're a bit more techie, what does your tech stack look like? Or what is a tool or application that you have to have? It's like a must-have for your day-to-day habits or life or business, any any part of the equation. What is your have-to-have tool or application? Well, our, our stack is, you know, for team communication is Slack. You know, I, I, I try to avoid my inbox completely and we pretty much just live in Slack. Um, Slack plus Loom. So we were really into recording uh, videos. So one of the fastest and most effective ways to explain something to someone is by giving them a video, sharing your screen, walking them through it, and you know, giving them a verbal walkthrough of what it is you're trying to communicate. So we're really big on doing that asynchronously and not having to hold meetings to explain or communicate simple things. So we're really big on Loom. We use it throughout the organization and it's been a big, big uh, time saver for us. And it also just helps us build uh, processes where there's something important that we need to document, whether it's a, a workflow item or uh, a training guide. We, we use video for that and we just compile these videos and stitch them together. And that forms uh, our training material that we give to new hires. So it just makes onboarding easier as well. That's perfect. It's like a nice, uh, I'm all about max efficiency. It's like a nice double dip of getting the task done in itself, but then capturing and training and systemizing it for the next person handing it off. Um, love, love, love that approach. Love that system. Uh, is there anything in now more of your personal day-to-day life to keep things on track, keep things calm, collective, <laughs> and uh, after you clock out? Is there any tools, apps, anything like that that you utilize? I, You know, that's an interesting one. I, to, to build new habits and to establish new habits, especially when I was trying to cultivate like a meditation practice, mm-hmm. uh, I'm... I like scoreboards or apps that just track fulfillment of those types of habits and seeing like an unbroken uh, rhythm of every day for the last two weeks. You're like, okay, I can't break it now. I got to keep going. I got to keep adding the next circle in. So that was really helpful um, just to to really ground that habit. That that was over six months ago. Uh, But I, I really try to, when I clock out, to get really intentional with my time and tune out of the work zone and really just focus on, you know, being present, slowing down, you know, being at home, being with friends and focusing on that. Love it. No, that's gamification and those streaks that they <laughs> use in these apps. 
absolutely works on me for sure. The seeing those streaks broken, um, it's a little heartbreaking. <laughs> um, so yeah, heavily encourage those for anybody that hasn't given those a shot. Um, those data, yeah, us data geeks, we love seeing that dashboard, the streak, the points, all of that stuff is a really fun way to approach anything, team building, personal habits. Um, so I'm great, really grateful to see that pop up more and more frequently as things get more techie. Um, let's shift gears now into your secret sauce for your business, your strategy. And there's a, what seems like a gazillion SEO agencies and SEO experts out there. Um, but you guys really have carved a, uh, niche in your own lane of doing things to truly break out of the noise. Um, as, as saturated as digital has got, um, this is becoming far more vital. It's one thing to just have your website, have your articles, have your SEO, have your strategy, but to do it right and actually compete and hit those top 1% type of spots takes work. And clearly you guys are doing something right over there. So I would love to hear to the best of your ability. Can you share your guys specific process or strategy for how you approach SEO for a business or even specifically a B2B business. Yeah, absolutely. So let me, let me kind of tell the story uh, to explain what it is that we do and how we got here. Perfect. So uh, after I sold my first tech company um, and I took some, I took some time off and when I came back, I started meeting with my closest friends that were building their own tech companies. They had startups in B2B uh, that were doing really well. One of them is Vercata, which is an enterprise security camera company, uh, incredibly successful, and, and many others that are in the SaaS space. And as I talked to them about their go-to-market strategy, about their growth approach, uh, and specifically like search was always a big part of that go-to-market and how they would build distribution. And the same problems that we had with the first tech company were the same problems that these teams share. It was the same common set of issues, which is how do I make Google love me? What does Google want from me in order to rank me number one for the most important and competitive keywords in my space? That problem is one that SEOs globally are all trying to solve. What I did, I learned a lot about about this problem by throwing spaghetti against the wall with my first tech company, but I realized that the answers were actually in the Google patents. And so I spent years, I printed off all of the Google patents that talk about backlinks and link building. I printed off all the patents that explain how Google indexes content, how it studies content, about knowledge-based trust. And I went really deep into that. I studied all the patents about indexing the internet and how they basically analyze all of this data that they have within their databases to arrive at the very simple 10 set of search results, you know, the 10 hits when you, when you search for a keyword. And as I leafed through those pages, which took years to really go through, there were some really, really important insights that came out of that study. And there were new software tools that we began to develop to understand how do we move the needle? How do we really reverse engineer Google's rankings? And, and those software tools, they began, and they're very 
unique software tools. They're, they don't exist in Ahrefs or SEMrush or Moz. They're unique to us. And that is what we put into searchatlas.com. That is our proprietary toolkit that we use with our clients. And to summarize, like the, the full set of tools is to summarize how Google works, the core ranking factors. And there's really four pillars of how they rank information on the internet. The first one is authority. How authoritative is that website? And looking at authority from the lens of backlinks and citations and what those backlinks say about the website that they're pointing to. There's a lot in there. And also signals, historical data signals. How long do people come to a website? How much branded search do the website get? Those type of factors constitute authority. It can also include reviews on Google and other platforms as well. The second factor would be content. And that's both the depth of your content and the relevance of that content to other types of things that the searcher may not have even known they were looking for. So content depth and breadth and topical authority is a huge component of what the search engines are looking for. The third one is technicals, which would have to do with your on-site technical, your on-site SEO, the internal linking profile of your website, what's in your HTML code, things like that, and making sure that's perfect. And the fourth one is page experience factors, which is what happens when people land on the page, how long do they spend on the website, what are they doing there? So those are the four core pillars of SEO that we've learned a lot about from reading all these patents. Our insights that we learned from that, we began to apply one client after the next, after the next. And in the beginning, the types of things we were doing were not that scalable. They were slow. And over time, they became more and more automated as we built software and systems to do them in a really scalable way. So we've basically been scaling SEO processes and workflows for the last five years through technology and software. So for example, five years ago, my first tech company, actually way more than that, nine years ago when I started it, the amount of authority we built for that brand ruckus over five years, we can now build in one month. So an incredible acceleration that we get there. And we do that every month for all of our clients. So huge, massive speed up. Um, and the ability to create content in a way that's layered and builds depth is also a science. And we built software products that allow us to do that in a repeatable way that's scalable. And that's the only reason we've been able to do this and offer SEO as a turnkey service for other agencies as well. So we actually oh, are, are oh, oh, oh. yeah. So a lot of agencies come to us and they say, we need help with SEO for these clients. What can you give me as a turnkey solution to just make the charts go like this up and to the right? And that's what we do. That's what we're really good at. Wow. Yeah. I think you've, you've re that, that last piece is like probably one of the strongest success signals you can get in an industry when the other agencies are coming to you and going, please help, please help make it go this way up and to the right. Um, amazing, amazing. And you, you mentioned uh, a key piece here that I think is, uh, worth exploring is your two separate assets that you've started developing and building here uh, between link graph 
and search atlas how do those assets operate with one another and how do they plug into your your business model what is the the approach um for for giving those their own space and then where where do they cross over and and connect yeah so about two years ago search atlas was integrated into Linkraft, and our clients were the only ones who were able to use it we developed those tools for our agency to be able to practice SEO and get them results. And over time, what happened was we had those clients ask us, hey, can we let our team use these tools as well? And then they started to collaborate and work alongside our team to help themselves improve their SEO, track their performance, and get access to some of these cutting-edge tools. Eventually, we decided that it was time to actually release the, the product as its own standalone platform. And we did that. And that's what searchalice.com is, is it's the kind of public version of the tools that you can use. Um, and it's for agencies and it's for brands. But I would say, especially for agencies is really where it shines. If you have lots of clients and a lot of brands you're trying to help grow, it has amazing tools that are really geared around advanced practitioners who need something better and more sophisticated than your Hrefs and Semrush. Mm, amazing. No, I love uh, seeing how those worlds have have combined um, over the years. The power of the power of the pivot. <laughs> um, we see it over and over. So I'd love to shift now. One more pivot. Now facing forward and looking at the future. We've hit a really crucial turning point here in digital marketing and digital everything with the introduction of AI. These little robots here taking over the world, um, and especially in content, generative content. Um, I know people have fully functional AI blogs like going out now. What is, I guess, what is your stance and or game plan um, for approaching AI coming to digital marketing and SEO? How are you guys leaning into that? What What is on your mind? What challenges are here? What opportunities are here? We'd love to hear what you guys are doing here. Yeah. So we, early, early on, this is, this goes back years ago before AI was as buzzy as it is now. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were playing with these models and figuring out how to use them for SEO and for digital marketing uh, to get benefit. And- we began studying how we thought that this technology was going to impact the industry and how we could try to be ahead of the curve and offer those kinds of solutions to our customers early. And so we have been doing this already for now years. Um, and, and I think it's, it's really exciting that the technology has continued to get better, more effective, more robust. And, and what's great about it is that it just means that as digital marketers, our toolkit is becoming more and more powerful. However, it's also taking some tasks that people used to be able to say, okay, I'm just going to write blog posts and that's all I'm going to do. And those type of, of service providers have to now elevate their game. Creating content is not unique anymore. You have to create content that ranks. You have to create content that, that, that doesn't just rank, but also content that converts. So, I think it's shifting the 
the model for practitioners to become more strategic and become more experts in the craft of it and not as much on the task level. So everyone is just needing to move up to a more senior level role and to be more strategic and knowledgeable about how uh, how to use these tools and workflows that make their teams uh, more efficient, uh, more scalable, and just bringing more automation to the table. Amazing. No, this is uh, one of those things, I think those that are able to really truly connect the dots and the ones that clearly have been ahead of the game for years, um, it really is one of those max efficiency things that's going to kick in and make or break a lot of people like their entire business model is going to be shifted. So I love seeing the ways that you've adapted, not relying and outsourcing things onto the AI, but being smart and strategic about how we can integrate us and them, I guess, into this, this feedback loop, um, in a really symbiotic way is, uh, what I, what I'm seeing from your strategy. I think those that are approaching this, the ones that just accept their fate and let's learn it, let's understand it, <laughs> let's research the patents. Um, and that's who's really going to get the most juice out of this squeeze. I love, love hearing that and seeing that. Um, so we are now at the part of the show where we play the world's fastest game show, this or that. Super quick, super simple. You're going to get three rounds of randomly generated options. All you got to do is pick one or the other. Are you ready to play this or that? Let's do it. All right. Round number one, video games or TV? Rules. TV. Oh, there we go. All right. Nice. TV, TV. Well played, sir. Uh, would you rather have the perfect career or the perfect perfect relationship that is hands down the perfect relationship for sure love it love it love it last one you'd rather be the driver or the passenger you know i would i used to say driver but now there's just something nice to just being the passenger and just soaking it all in so i'm gonna go with passenger so with it welcome to the good life <laughs> absolutely amazing well that just means you beat the game congratulations sir uh your prize we're gonna go ahead and hear what you are up to right now and how these lovely listeners can get involved so how can we best support you and where do we go to do that to start working with you or even if we're curious of these early level uh strategies uh, how does that process start and how can we hunt you down? So I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, I would go to linkgraph.com and you can book a meeting with me straight, straight through the site. Uh, we have launched a new SEO recommendation engine that's powered through AI and we're really proud of it. We've been using it internally for over a year now and just fine tuning it. And now we're finally launching it. We're going to be doing a big product on launch. And if you'd like to get access to that technology and use it for your agency or for your brand's website. Happy to plug you in and get you on the alpha beta of the tool. Uh, it's called Auto. And what it does is it gives you uh, kind of a rank sorted list of the most 
impactful SEO tasks that you and your team can do every week. And then also benchmarks and shows you after you do those tasks, what happens to your traffic and what's the impact to the business. So would highly recommend you check it out and happy to get anyone on the platform. Uh, just reach out to me. Amazing. 100% support that recommendation um, for anybody here wanting to start or level up in that journey. This guy is the man to do it. Um, you can see the other agencies are even coming to him. So um, brilliant, brilliant and highly recommended. So before we get to our final, final question, I just have to double down on that reinforcement and acknowledgement of I follow and watch a lot of people building businesses, doing it right, doing it wrong. Um, and you are doing it in a really admirable, respectable, and even fun, interesting, exciting way, um, which is not always the case. And I just wanted to thank you and let you know that effort, that time, that energy, those years of patent research, uh, it is worth it. It is noticed and it is appreciated, man means a lot, Travis. Thank you. Appreciate you. Now, our final question, this is for a spe single specific listener that might be stuck on this journey or just trying to take it to the next level. What final words of advice or motivation can you share to send them into beast mode? What I would also there is... You know, there's a great quote from Salvador Dali, and it's that every artist was at first an amateur. So instead of looking at the people who were ahead of you on the journey and wishing after them and wishing that you were further ahead, uh, it's important to appreciate where you're at right now. Life is a journey and it's a process. And I can tell you every single person that I'm friends with who is committed to their entrepreneurial journey, to building their business, They've always ended up in a good place and been successful. And I have dozens of examples of this. The, uh, the Latin proverb, uh, memento mori, amor fati really, uh, has always lingered with me. Amor fati means, uh, and this is, these are stoic virtues, uh, appreciate your life and appreciate where you are. Uh, literally means like love your fate. Um, and memento mori is just about a remembrance of death. So in life, there are there are more things than just being successful in business. It's important to be successful in life overall. And so part of the journey is also taking care of yourself, uh, taking care of your body, staying fit physically and mentally, and make sure that, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of grinders out there. This is obviously the, the Beat to Beast podcast. So uh, a lot of people listening in who are really, I'm sure, leaning in very heavily on the business. Just remember, uh, you know, take care of yourself as well along the way. And that will help you be more successful in business as well. Boom. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the B2B podcast. This has been Manic Bond. <laughs>